So you guys have dessert, you got some drinks, you're doing good. Welcome to Mortal Life, everybody. It's been a while since we've uh, been together, not the two weeks, kind of more like three, believe it or not, but um, a lot's happened since then, daylight savings. I mean, I know people aren't a fan of it because it's darker in the morning, but the days are lighter, longer, which is pretty rad. I mean, I like getting done with work and still being able to be like, oh, look, there's daylight left. That's a good thing. Ella, uh, Ella was waking up at 6.30. Now she's happy. She wakes up at 7.00. Right. <laughs> yeah, you just have to see it through the right lens. Totally see it through the right lens. Yeah, just come up front. Just do it. It's also snowed a bit since, we, uh, <coughs> since we've been together. Is everybody hanging in there with the snow? You guys doing okay? Because I hear it's coming again, like tomorrow or tonight, 2 a.m. Yeah, seriously. I literally, I drove to Crested Butte Saturday. I drove there and back, and Ann made fun of me because I borrowed someone's avalanche beacon. <laughs> just for the car ride, you know? Like, I was just like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, trying to play it safe, man. Yeah, you never know. Um... Also, a lot has happened. We moved. That's why I look the way I do. This is the, I've been wearing this outfit for like two days, and we were moving all day today, lifting stupid, heavy things and going up precarious stairwells and all. It was bad. Uh, but we made it, and we did it, and it's great. With that said, I was trying to think of what I was going to say tonight a lot. <laughs> but you're, you're picking up on some, uh, this is going to be a rare Phil talk tonight, just so you know. This is like one of those ones. And some people have been a part of What's that? A, like, what's a, a rare fill talk is when I'm completely, I'm just making this up on the spot. You know, it's coming. I wrote down a few things, but have you guys seen, like this is what my talks look like sometimes? <laughs> That's what you're gonna get tonight. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, but we do have an announcement because we wanna get a group together of adults to go volunteer at the FERC. We're going to do something over there. And I believe it's going to be like on a weekend. We need about six of you. And I feel like it's going to happen at the end of March, beginning of April. And Ann's going to totally correct me now. No. No. We need, we're, we'll have a sign up for a group of like six to eight people. And it will be at the FERC thrift store on Airport Road. And they'll put together a project for us of what they need help with over there. So. Um, Sweet. Probably a, a Saturday in the next four weeks or so. So I'll, uh, you know, finalize those details with the director over there, and then we'll put it out to people. So be thinking about if that's something that you want to do. Awesome. So we'll bring the sign-up sheet next time for sure. And if you're interested in it, just come and tell us. Just be like, oh, yeah, definitely. I want to be in the loop on that one. We're going to make that happen. So... I am on the edge of being a millennial. Like, I'm not, but people still think I am. And it's so funny, like, the different conversations you could get pulled into around that whole thing. And so one of the things I was doing recently was watching on Netflix. I like all the decade pieces on Netflix. They're so fun. If you guys haven't seen that stuff yet, go check it out. I mean, it's when I look at it, it's like 2000s. Like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And it's like a six-part series. And it always starts with some of the best stuff that you're really going to click with, like TV and music. It's very funny. But you start watching it, and I'm hooked. It starts talking about like all of the television shows that made that decade, 
all of the music that made that decade. And then it, of course, goes into politics and like money and all sorts of things. But really fun to watch. And I was looking at the 2000s, and I was reminded of a show that Ann and I both got suckered into, which was called 24. And it was quite notably one of the first kind of binge-worthy television shows out there. One of those shows that's based on, hey, every hour you watch this is a literal hour of this guy's life. And there's going to be 24 episodes, so it's going to be a 24-hour day, and this guy's going to have a really bad day. And it's going to be really intense, and it's going to be really long. And so we watched the first one, and we were legit hooked. It, it just pulled us in, and you were just dying to get to the next week. And that was before you could binge, but like you had to kind of just go for it. It was still being shown on television, and you just had to wait for a whole other week to unfold. And at first, I'm watching the show, and my parents were also watching it. And this character, Jack Bauer, played by Kiefer Sutherland, He's, he's this guy that you just kind of, you're unsure about, right? And we've had a lot of those kind of pieces come out on, on shows recently where it's like the person isn't really trustworthy or good, but they're still the hero, right? And it's those kind of people. And for some reason, I'm drawn to some of those characters and I pay attention. But when I started watching 24, I was like, I just don't know if I like this guy but I keep watching. And then he does things, you know, in the show. And you're like, Oof, I really don't like that. Like the fact that he's doing that, but I watch more and I keep tuning in. And then he does things that are great. And you're like, this is awesome. I like this guy. And then he does something else. And you're like, stop pissing me off. Like have character or something. You're not consistent by any means. And he's doing it all in the name of the greater good, right? I have some conversations with my parents at the time. Man, I really don't like that guy. I don't like what he's doing. Yeah, but we need people like that. We need people like that. Yeah, because he's not, he's not, imagine yourself in that situation. That's what people would tell me. And I'm like, oof, like I wouldn't do what he did. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it, probably. But I just wouldn't do that. That's why we need people like Jack Bauer. He's going to make the hard decision and it's gonna protect the greater good. That's where the rub comes for me, just gonna be honest. I'm like, wait a second, so we do need people to do that thing that I hate. And then one of my friends, he's notorious and famous for throwing this phrase in my face. Phil, that's just the way the world works. And I always get hung up on that phrase because I'm like, hang on though. Doesn't the world work the way that we make it work? The way that we choose to engage, the way that we choose to behave, the things that we do. And obviously I'm in control of me and I'm not in control of you, but like to a certain degree, like we're agreeing on the way the world works. We're kind of entering into that all the time. We make decisions. We get to choose the way the world works. Today, we're moving out. And uh, see, I'm just going to shoot from the hip here. This is a story that happened today. We're in our house, and one of our friends pointed out that we have a Nest thermostat. And he's like, whoa, you're moving out. Aren't you going to take that thing down and put up one of those cheap ones? And we're like, no. We're going to leave the good ones up. Like, we're just going to pass that on. You know what I mean? Like, just let that roll. 
I actually told a story about a real estate deal that I just caught wind of because I have a friend who's a broker. And they agreed to sell their house furnished and my friend the broker was on the buyer's side and so they signed the contract and everything and they came back two weeks later and all of the furniture had changed in the entire house. <laughs> Whoops. First of all, that's illegal. But second of all, like, is that the way we're gonna make the world work? Is, no. it, it's still furnished, yeah. It's still furnished. <laughs> Not with the stuff I saw. So, right, so like the way the world works, we need Jack Bowers, the people to make the hard calls that I'm not gonna make, the things that I'm not gonna do. I've always told this story about being back in high school in economics class. And my economics teacher, he's so funny because he just knew that I was one of those guys who was pretty generous at the time, and he like caught wind of it. And he did this whole lesson on the word tinstaffel and he puts it up there, and Tinstaffel stands for there is no such thing as a free lunch. It doesn't exist. If anybody tells you there is anything free out there, it's a lie, because it costs someone something somehow. Like, if you get a free lunch, it wasn't free. It really wasn't free. It came at the cost of someone else. And of course, being high school students, we try and shoot holes in his theory, like 100%. That's like what you're supposed to do when you're that age. You just like try and rip them apart. And so we start throwing out all these things that we think are free and it all comes down to like time, energy, sweat. Like we were thinking dollars, you know? But there is no such thing as a free lunch. Love. love. I don't know. Love can cost a whole lot sometimes, right? Jeez. Yeah, people are like, oh yeah, love, love, love. It's like, wait a second. Love can be one of the most risky costing things ever out there, right? Like. Whew. And so we get to choose the way that the world works. My question before like, we go any farther is, how are you going to make this world work? What path are you going to choose? What are you going to pick? You're going to be faced with decisions every day, all day long. And you get to say, this is the way my world works. This is it. This is how I'm going to do that. Lots of people believe in karma. It comes back around. Sometimes I see other people and I'm like, karma doesn't work. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise, it should kick that dude's ass. But it's like, let's see what we can do as far as like making the world work a different kind of way. Different kind of way. I had to do a wedding ceremony for this couple last May. And I've already told you guys, last, the end of last April and the beginning of May was really rough for me. I hit one of those patches in life that I don't wish on anyone else and I never want to go back there. And I actually ended up trying some anxiety meds and like they pushed me even deeper and darker and they just didn't work for me. And it was a really rough two weeks of my life that I was kind of scared this is never going to change. Oh my God, is this the new normal? That's what I kept thinking. And it was really, really scary. I mean, I laid in bed for three days and I didn't even talk to people. And Anne was like, come on, get out of bed. And I'm like, I, I can't. Like, you know, it was so dark and scary. And that rough patch happened, and I was supposed to do this wedding for this sweet couple at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. It was going to be sick. I was so looking forward to it. And they're from Boston, and they were flying in, and, like, I had already met with them, and I did all this. And then so I had to get on the phone with them, and I had to say, I can't make it. I can't be there. 
Like, I can't be a part of this, and I'm going to try and find you someone. We're going to find another person to stand up with you. And so I did find someone else, and they were ecstatic about that, but they just kept saying, you know what, Phil? But it's not you. And we wanted you. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. So they had their wedding. They did everything. They sent me some pictures. It was really cool. And then about a month or two goes by, and they're in Breckenridge, and they're visiting, and they're like, Phil, let's go out for dinner. And I was like, oh, I can't. I've got these, I've got these other things happening on the weekend. Because they kind of do it last minute, like most of us do nowadays, because we have cell phones. I'm going to make a side segue about that in just a second. But they came, and I was like, we can't. I, I can't get together with you. So about two, three weeks ago, they were back in town and they texted me and they're like, let's go out for dinner. Let's go out for drinks. Let's go make something happen. And I was like, yes, let's do it. Here's the thing I'm blown away by this. I didn't even do their wedding, (laughs) right? Like I met with them ahead of time. We talked on the phone a couple of times, but every time they come back to town, they are ringing me up and they're like, Phil, let's go hang out together. And I'm telling you what, there are days when that's the way the world works. I love it. It's amazing. The fact that they would just ring me up and we have this like little connection and we just keep building on it and building on it and building on it. I love the way the world works in that. It just stormed here, the snow. It was a Sunday and it was Tate's birthday party. And it was the Sunday when the snow wouldn't quit. And it just kept coming and kept coming. And we went over to the rec center for a pool party with I can't even tell you how many fourth grade students. And it was wild and it was crazy. And then we were supposed to come back to our house afterwards. I went out to the parking lot first to get Ann's car because her tires are, they're pretty bad. And I couldn't get her car out of the parking space. And then eventually I did. And once it started rolling, I didn't want it to stop. So I just kept doing loops and I kept calling her and being like, I can't stop your car. I can't stop your car. Come on. We just got to get out of here. And she was like, just go home. It's fine. Like I'll pile all the boys in the flex. We got enough seat belts. It's good. And we'll see you at home. And I was like, all right, I'm going to roll on home. I get home. I'd already shoveled like three times that day. But when I got back, there was still a foot of snow. So we started shoveling again. And then I get a call from Ann. We're stuck. And I'm like, okay, I'll get Silas. He just got home. We'll pile on some shovels. She's like, not that kind of stuck. Like, stuck like we're not getting out. Like, it's stuck. She's got all the fourth grade students in the car. Like, we can get out and push. <laughs> <laughs> fourth graders, out, push, push. And so I was like, we're coming over anyway. And she's like, do we have a tow rope? I'm like, it's in the back of the car. Up comes these two guys. They're coming to the rec center just for the heck of it. They pull over, and they totally push, dig. They get in. They do the tow rope. They operate the car, and they totally pull her out, and the party can go on, right, back at the Gallagher homestead. There are days when you look around, and you know the world is working. Dare I say the right way, the way that we all feel deep in our bones that it should There's something in us that calls out to those moments. And you can feel it. And it's real. And it's there. And it's kind of that belief that, honestly, there is no such thing as a free lunch. And things do cost things, but I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to pay for that. I'm willing to make that happen. I'm willing to pass that on. I'm willing to give that away to someone else. Because, honestly, that's the way I feel 
like the world should work. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do those things. I've told you many times before that I grew up um, with, with really strong Christian roots. Um, I spoke with someone today, in fact, and, and we were just talking a little bit about that whole Christianity thing. And I'm like, you know, I haven't really stepped away from it as much as I feel like it's expanded and it's grown a little bit. And one of the things that I really feel like that clicked and made sense to me is really early on, like if you've ever read the Bible, there's this idea that we're actually supposed to bless other people. It's like actually like a calling. It's like on all of humanity. It's, it's, it's like the reason you exist is to bless people, not conquer them. <laughs> like that's like what you're here to do. That's kind of the way this world should work. And that's one of those ideas that has always stuck with me. And I've loved it. And I've tried to carry that on and try to build on that. Ann and I, cre- well, we didn't create, but we kind of grew this other nonprofit with students here locally. And one of our taglines was live bigger, love better. And it was the idea that you can keep doing that your entire life. You carry that with you, you move forward, and you allow that to be the way that your world works. That's what's going to matter kind of going forward. Five years ago, we made a large transition. We stepped away from a nonprofit that I thought I was going to be at forever. I was ready. I was, I was all down. I was all in. I was like, I'm going to do this forever. And it came to this point where I just said, you know what? Um, nope. <laughs> this isn't going to work. And so many people at that time were like, what else are you going to do? And I said, I don't even know. But here's what I do know. This is coming to an end. And I don't know what else there is. And this is really scary. And it feels really uncertain. And I have no clue. But for whatever reason, I know that this is the right decision. And so we ventured out. And man, we tried everything. And it was this like five-year process of just feeling like, what is happening? And, and how is this all working? And knowing like some of our deep, deep beliefs and the, and the things that we cling to and the way that we feel like the world should work, like we had to try a lot of different things out. And we, Anne and I today, we were just talking this morning, and we feel like we're at the end of that transition. It feels so good to kind of have arrived at a place where we feel like she's got a job that she cares about. I have a job or two that I still care about, that I love. And it doesn't feel near as scary, and it feels right. It feels solid. Those five years, it was up in the air. It was touch and go for a lot of the time. But you had all along the way some of those nudges, some of those winks that I like in life that make you feel like, no, 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 no. The decisions you're making, like they're going somewhere. They're leading to something. This is all going to make sense. doesn't right now, but it will later. And so many people along the way. I mean, I could give you story after story after story of instances where like her car was pulled out and someone helped or something else happened on the side. And you look back and you're like, man, I love the fact that we just keep bumping into people who get this idea that we get to choose the way this world works. Honestly, 
I did a talk not too long ago, and it was called Not a Dick. And the whole idea was, don't be one. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we've got enough of them in the world. Like, it's happening way too much. It's become what we expect from one another. That is not the way this world should be working. And the only way that begins to change and shift is when we say, enough. It's not the way we want it to work. I'm going to choose a different path, totally different path. One of the other things I do love, um, Christian heritage root-wise, is that all throughout that book, for me, when I pick it up, I see this upside-down version of power that I just absolutely still fall in love with all the time. Because I get stuck in this mentality that wealth is something and success is something and power looks like this. And every time I go back to that book, power doesn't look like that. Success never looks like that. It's all so upside down that I just love it. I gravitate towards that. I think that's why I worked with students so often because they just feel so, like, I don't know, blank slate. And, 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 and in a way, kind of like innocent and powerless. And it's like, those kids, man, like so many times they get looked over and no one like talks to them or pays attention to them or like listens to them. And I feel like that's like the best stuff ever. People need to be heard. People need to be paid attention to. I love the underside of that power thing. I love it when love actually looks like something that loses, but you know it's winning. Absolutely 100% in the process. And it costs so much. Those are the stories I always love and pay attention to. Those are the movies I watch, the books I read, the things that I get pulled into time and time again. Now, I was going <laughs> to I was going to do this tonight, but all my stuff is packed, right? So, one of the things I've noticed in life that changes all the time is the word cool. Like the word's still there. And sometimes there's other words that like fit around it. Like, I mean, my kid says all kinds of stuff. My three kids, like they just have all these fancy words for cool, right? And if you go back far enough, I think one of the best words for cool is bitching, right? Like that was a good one. But that's, how does that mean cool? I don't know. That was not my time. But when I was in sixth grade, cool looked a certain way, right? And it keeps changing, that cool thing. Like, it keeps changing, and it looks different all the time. Sometimes what was cool then actually comes back around in this cyclical kind of nature. And you kind of feel trapped a little bit when you realize that, like, this thing just keeps coming around. It's like bell bottoms are back in. I don't know if you guys have paid attention again. This is, like, fifth time. I don't know, but they just keep circling back around in a slightly different version, right? Slightly different, they might change it. When neon colors just got popular again, I was like, what's happening? Because like that wasn't good the first time, and it sure isn't good the second time. But cool just keeps circling back around. And I think sometimes people have this cyclical view of life, and you can kind of start to feel a little trapped by it, and you can kind of start to feel like you can't do anything about it. Like, well, I, I have to work that job, or I have to do this thing, or we have to be here. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know, change it up. Shake it up. See what happens. You know, I'm, sh I'm sure you've got responsibilities. I do too. And I'm not saying like just be reckless, 
But I'm saying perhaps get out of that cyclical view of life, though, the one that starts to make you feel like you're trapped. How many of you guys took over your family business? Just curious. Nobody? What? That's amazing. That's evidence right there that we're not in a cyclical like thing, right? Because like, let's back up a little bit. Let's, I mean, if we back up far enough in history, you were just giving what was handed to you and you didn't like necessarily venture out and start anything new. It was kind of like whatever happened to my ancestors is gonna happen to me and this is just how it's gonna be. And to kind of step out into something unknown and to like experience and embrace that feeling and to go for it. That was like a new idea in human history not that long ago, right? That you could actually break out of that. When I start to think about the way that the world works and people tell me that sentence and my friend pushes that in my face, I'm like, we are not in a cyclical system. We do not have to accept that. We can actually change and we can actually break that. We can walk away from that. No one in this room inherited their family business or stepped up and said, I'm going to do that same thing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that work. We're all brave people. We have courage. We possess the ability to change. And we can say, ugh, yeah, that's the way that the world has worked up until now. But now let's change that up. Not very many of us are probably from Colorado either. Colorado natives, like born, raised? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Nice. So in Breckenridge, yeah, a few of you in Breckenridge. Yeah, we know you guys go way back. Like, we've all transplanted to a certain degree. We, we've, we've moved. We've tried things in life. Like, you keep stretching. You keep growing. I guess when it comes to this idea, this is the way the world works, I just want you guys to hold that loosely, and I want you to challenge that. Like, later today, tomorrow, in the next two weeks, please challenge that. Whatever you're bumping up against or whoever you're dealing with, like, look at it hard and make that happen. My economics teacher asked me that and pulled me up in front of the class and did this horribly embarrassing thing when I was in high school because he knew and had seen me give this kid $5. And I would give this kid, like, $5, like, three times a week, and he would never pay me back. But he didn't have enough money for lunch. Right? So we need to give. We need to step up. We need to find those small places in our life where we understand this is how I want the world to work. If that was me, here's how I want that person to respond. I pull this up all the time with my boys, but it's that whole golden rule thing that we're all supposed to know that we almost never live by. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Put yourself in their shoes or just say, man, Let's have a great, awesome, generous giving day. Let's just try to make that happen. Let's not change all the furniture in the house before they buy it. <laughs> Let's not do that, right? Let's, I, I'm really attached. I mean, we had this joke yesterday where Ann said something to me. And she was like, I'm just being honest. And then she goes, you know, that's really hard for me. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, not hard at all for her to be honest pretty hard for me to be honest, right? And so like, I just envisioned like that whole process with the broker and the switching of the furniture. Like, obviously they were attached to some stuff or they wanted it because it was nicer. I don't know. But like, 
just be honest. Just say it. Just call it for what it is and be like, you know what? You walked through the house when it had all this furniture in it, but we actually, we really like some of that stuff and we want to keep it. Was that so hard? Yeah, and it might cost you something. Oops. Right. It might cost you something. Um, <laughs> so get out of the cycle. Don't get trapped. Definitely embrace some change. Um, you know, growing up, I had an experience with Christianity in the church, and I was kind of soured by it a lot in different ways. And I love that I had those experiences, though, because I think it did allow my view to broaden and for things to expand a little bit and for my life to change in a positive direction, to be honest with you. And, and even though those experiences can cost you so much and sometimes they can hurt so bad, and the different things that we go through, you know, when you're in them, you might feel like this is never going to change. This is never going to get better. This is never going to go in a different direction. You know, there is always tomorrow. And back in May when that thing happened to me, and I don't even know why it happened to me except that I was running on fumes. And that could have been a huge, huge reason that happened. Um, I'm so glad to be standing here today, you know, and to feel like the things that I've gone through have led to a certain place. Even though, like, back when you're at this point in the journey, man, I have no clue where this is going, and it feels pretty awful. Like, just one foot in front of the other the next day, one foot in front of the other the next day, one foot in front of the other the next day. And that's a part of, in my opinion, the way the world should work. I would love it if everybody in this room could, like, share a piece of their story with someone else, you know? I've said it here before, but two of the most comforting words in the human language are me too, me too. And that's simply because so often you're thinking, no one else has experienced this, no one else has ever felt this. I'm obviously the only person who's ever gone through anything like this before in all of human existence, right? And then, and then it's like, but we just need someone else to tell a story. There was this one point in time, Anne had a miscarriage. And it came up, and we started talking about it. It was this horribly hard thing. And then we started talking with people about it. And what you found out was other people had had them too. Just no one talks about it. Why does no one talk about it? Probably because it's hard. Maybe it brings tears to your eyes. Maybe it's not that easy to have a conversation about. But I'm telling you what, once you start that conversation, the comfort that comes through, I had one too. Oh my God. What did that, you know what I mean? And then it just, there's this kind of magical, mysterious healing thing that happens when you have those conversations. And it's kind of sad. I remember telling Anne, I'm like, why does no one talk about this? Put language to this. Put your voice to it. Put your heart into it and tell your little version of your story and create that transparent place of authenticity that allows those conversations to be shared with one another. So much happens in that place. Man, I wish the world worked like that more. I can't tell you how much I wish the world would work like that. 
Because sitting right here in this room, so many different experiences, so many perspectives, so many stories, so many things that I haven't experienced. I remember pulling someone aside and I told him, I said, I'm going to be coming to you eventually because my dad's still alive. And I know that your dad passed away and I know you had a really great connection. And I said, I will be knocking on your door the day that I have to experience this because we will need to talk. I will need to hear your words. I will need to understand what you've gone through. And he was like, absolutely, you know? I'm one of those guys that like thinks way too far ahead, <laughs> right? I'm like thinking about that stuff now. I told my parents recently, I said, I don't know, you guys might die and I might not cry at all because I've already cried so many times thinking about it. Had it <laughs> like, by the time I get there, I'll just be like, ah, bye guys. Like, you know, we kind of have those laughs. But how do you envision the world working in a better way? Like, what are you hoping's out there? What do you hope to experience better? When you say like, I would love to treat people the way that I want to be treated. How can you embrace that more and challenge those notions of what's out there? Because everybody, every time someone tells me that's just the way the world works, it's about something really negative. And I'm kind of upset about it. It never comes across like someone buys you a free lunch and you're like, that's just the way the world works. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Like, <laughs> it's so great. It's always about something really negative that we wish we could change, but we're just saying, ah, oh, it's just how it is, though. Is it? Like, should we settle like that? Should we just embrace that and say that's just the way it is? Come on. Like, I'm, I'm like kind of over that. And some of the experience I've had in my life have made me feel that way, I think. And said, no, 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 I'm not willing to accept that, you know? I grew up and like most of us, like you go through middle school and it's horrible. You know, like you look weird and you're lanky and you're uncoordinated and like you have a mustache when you're in fifth grade. And it's like, and then, and then you just like, whoever you are, you've been picked on, you felt that way. And like, I really resonated with so much of that, that I like wanted to work with students and kind of give them a better experience of adolescence, right? A place where they could belong, a place where they could connect, a place where they could talk and feel like, hey, there's a bunch of us here, and we're all weird. There's nobody normal, you know? Like, I definitely click with that. Great. That was one of the things that I said, uh-uh, the world needs to change, and it can't work that way for everybody the way that I felt. There's got to be some things in you that you've experienced that you can say, you know what? It's not going to work that way from this point forward for the people that I interact with, even for me. I mean, I've stood up here before and said, I've been called out by some of my, my therapists and some of my friends who are into counseling and stuff, and they're like on me when I say things like, I'm a pessimist. They're like, no, you're not. You have pessimistic tendencies, you know? <laughs> like, like, don't like fully embrace that you're just a pessimist and that you can't change. That's not who you are. That's how you're kind of behaving, but like, that's not who you are. And so maybe it's about yourself that you need to embrace a couple of things and say, okay, for me, this is the way that, this isn't gonna work anymore. Recently, that's one of the things I've had to do is say, I've got 40 years of practice. Got some bad habits, I'll tell you. Like, some grooves in my neural pathways are pretty deep. 
and like trying to hit that fork in the road or interrupt it. I've described it as when you get in your car and you go to the post office. Like I remember getting in my car and then the next thing I was, I'm getting out of my car at the post office. And I'm like, I don't even know what just happened. But like I blacked out apparently. Like how did I get to the post office? And sometimes my behaviors have become that entrenched in me. And before you know it, I get that text from this person and I've done these five things without even knowing it. And I just want to go back to that first one and be like, hang on a second. I'm going to change that because that's not the way the world works for me anymore. I want to create another path and I want to go off on that. That's hard stuff. That's hard stuff. And sometimes, I'm telling you what, I've got three guys in the back. They're playing screens, so hopefully they're not even listening. But like, those three guys will call me on more stuff. You know what I mean? Like when I say, oh, no, I'm going to change this. And then they're like, what are you doing, Dad? Like you said, and I'm like, oh, you're right. You know what I mean? Sometimes what might help is pulling aside a buddy, a person, anybody else. It's this word accountability, right? And it's like, I'm just going to pull someone in. I'm just going to let them know, I don't want this to happen for me anymore like this. Could you please help me? I've got a friend right now that every time I get obsessed about like what I'm doing in life, my main job is that I'm a wedding officiant, right? I'm trying to look at all your faces when I say that. So like, people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a wedding officiant. And they're like, what's that? <laughs> you know, like I get that look. And I think what pops into most people's mind if they're old enough is Adam Sandler wedding singer. Like they think I'm like a wedding singer or something, but I'm not, I never sing, never. But they're like, what is a, What's a wedding efficient? That's pretty weird. And I'm like, job. yeah, yeah, I also get that. So you do that full time? Like, yep, I do. It's pretty rad. Like, <laughs> I get to hang out with people on a really good day. And maybe for five couples, it hasn't been such a great day. But <laughs> you know what I mean. I was, bringing the, I was bringing the license to mail it, and they go, <laughs> it's a joke between me and the post office, because I'm trying to lighten the mood in the post office. You know what I mean? Let's, let's not have the world work that way around there. So I try and lighten the mood in the post office, and I bring in the marriage license. And a lot of times people, they'll look at me, and they're like, is there anything potentially hazardous or blah, blah, blah in this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, could be, I don't know. It's a marriage license. But anyway, yeah. But people are like, so you do that full time? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And honestly, like, it's a pretty good gig, and it's kind of fun. Like, I like doing that job. You know, and it doesn't always come across as like the most important thing. And so I've got one of my friends when I get all wrapped up in I'm 40 years old and I'm a wedding officiant. And if everybody tomorrow decides to not get married, I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> right now, Colorado is like one of the easiest states to get married. in. Like so people will like come here and it's beautiful. Right. And even snowstorms, snowstorms happen and people are like, this is the best. Let's get married outside. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so I'm 40 years old and I'm doing that. And I text my friend every now and then. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I'm a wedding officiant. This feels really weird. Maybe I should be making more money. Maybe I should have been a doctor. Maybe like, I don't know, you know? And I start going down these paths. And we have this little text back and forth that we say. And we just say, I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing that game. And so I text it to him. And he's like, yup. I'm not either, you know? And it's like, play your game. Do your thing. Like, chase after whatever is going to make your heart happy and make you come alive. 
and make life worth getting out of bed in the morning. Like, and you might not be there every day, even with chasing after some of these things, because we all have rough days and rough patches. But there's always tomorrow, and it's one foot in front of the other. And I promise you, like, if you're upset with the way that the world is working, hang in there. Hang in there. Meet some new people. Try something else. Embrace the idea and challenge just exactly that and just start small with yourself and say, all right, well, it's not going to work that way with me anymore. I'm going to try this. Like I said, if you need help, like me, I mean, I've got three people who, like, just make me accountable on several levels anyway, but maybe pull somebody in. Pull somebody in with you on this story and see what happens. But the one thing that I do want to leave you with, what time is it, guys? 6.40-something? 6.51. 6.51. Please, please, please. I had an experience in college where I met with five guys, and we met every week for a long time. And we just all kind of stumbled into each other, but the weirdest thing was none of us had a brother. And we figured that out like three years later. None of us had a brother, like in growing up. And somehow we all just connected, and one of the things we started to do was share our stories with each other. We did it early on. We like tried to write down everything, and like we were only like 20 at the time, so we, you know, 20 years of stuff isn't that hard to like catch people up on. Some of you guys have a few more, but it's like one of those things. Like, what can you share from your story? What are the highs? What are the lows? How can you communicate and connect with someone else? Because I'm a hundred percent. If we would share more of who we are in our stories, if we would allow the world to work that way, and if you would actually listen when they're talking to you, rather than like prepare some like rebuttal or who knows what, you know, we would get a lot further and it would feel a lot better. It's that whole idea of living bigger and loving better. Be present with one another and kind of go that way. And if you remember anything from tonight, Tin Staffle, right? Tin Staffle. <laughs> I don't know. Tin Staffle. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Just remember that, like, you're giving. And it costs somebody something always. Always. All right? So, yeah. No more Jack Bowers, man. Like, that's a big one for me. I look around, I'm like, we need more people who would make the really hard decision to, to lose sometimes. Right? Yeah. Some of the heroes that I admire the most are the people who were so sacrificial and who lost, and it cost them so many things. And oftentimes when I'm confronted with their life stories, I like to think they're so amazing and awesome, and then I read like what it took to be who they are, and I'm like, oof, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. When I did a wedding for Anne's youngest sister, She went through AA, and so she gave me the big book. And we were, like, reading the big book. She's like, I want you to read this, and I want you to pull out of it into the the wedding ceremony, and I want you to understand where we're coming from. So I'm reading the book, and Anne's reading the book. And then Anne looks at me one night, and she goes, I think we should do this. I think we should work through the 12 steps, like you and me, and just, like, embrace this. This is crazy. Have you been reading this? And I was like, yeah, I've been reading that. I don't think I'm ready to work through the 12 steps. That's like hard stuff. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. The stuff in there. The whole make amends thing. 
go back to people who've wronged you and talk to them and like ask forgiveness and go, I'm like, I don't think I'm ready. I'm not there. There's a lot in that. But I'm telling you, whew, yes, yes. You can change the cyclical cycle of like life. You can break free. You can do it. You've already done it in so many ways. Go out and challenge this is the way the world works. Upset the system. Turn it upside down. We get to choose the way the world works. So choose a different way. Choose a better way, a bigger way.